Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. It is my uh, honor uh, to be with you this morning and uh, the kindness of uh, uh, Pastor Ente is probably difficult to match and uh, and on our way here I missed a road that the ways directed me because I saw a police and I was hesitant to turn lest he will pull me aside and uh Gratefully, the Waze has uh, another option to bring me here. And uh, since I was caught by a police four days ago, because I didn't see him making a sign at BGC to turn right, I was conscious of my ways because... I don't want to get lost. And so he was asking for my license. I gave it to him. But then I wanted to persuade him that I am not from Manila. And so I went out of my car, which is not allowed. And then he said, sir, you go back to your car. I'll get back at you. So he got back at me and he said, this is what will happen. I am going to get your license. You will have to claim it with this amount in a certain place. And so I told him that, sir, I truly missed seeing that guy, the other policeman here today. And you can even see in my address that I don't belong here. And so I said, if you are in our place in Bohol, you are going to be, you know, they're going to let you go. So he looked at me and he said, he began to bargain now and talk about their percentage. So I told this to Pastor Enteng and he said, and he looked at me with, you know, he's not surprised. And he said, Oh, that's nothing new. And he said, that's nothing new. He said, that's an old story. This is one of their, of course, not all police. There are Christian policemen. He said, this is one of their operative modus. I'm about to give him money. But I told him that I think this is a corruption. You know, I'm looking at him, sweating his uh, himself whole day in the heat of the afternoon. And so I'm kind of like, you know, hesitant a little bit, wanting to engage in a good coat business. So, but I said, and I paused, this is 
don't you think that this is corruption, sir? He was kind of a little bit defensive. He might probably thought that I'm going to engage in argument, but I tried to calm him and he said, oh, I'm not here to, you know, argue. Maybe you have a good dose of arguments from other drivers. I am not here to do that. I'm just trying to persuade him. And then he said, okay, it will be up to you now. I'm going to let you go, he said, but it will be up to you. So I said, thank you, bye. So I drove off. I'm going to meet Pachar Enting in that evening. I have to bring my daughter to Fully Booked. We don't have Fully Booked, so we have to. That's the context why I missed turning right on the way here. Isn't it the law has a certain way to restrain and scare us a little bit? How much more with God's law? How much more with a perfect law that doesn't come to us to extort? Far from it. It's a blasphemy. Even the term is, you know, I'm having a little bit hesitance in saying that. Okay, far from it. And yet it is a perfect law that it will never be unfair. It is a reflection of God's attributes. And so it's it's an opposite of my title this morning, which my title is Christ's Confident Joy for you. For you. Just join me in a brief prayer. Father, I am so thankful with your manifest presence in Jesus in this church this morning. And I am so honored to worship with your cold saints to magnify your love and grace that Jesus displayed on the cross. And so I pray that you will keep on glorifying your name through the preaching of your word. I pray that you will sanctify us, build us up and encourage us, strengthen us and open our eyes. You alone can do that in our hearts for the glory and honor of your name. This we pray in the mighty blessed name of Jesus Christ, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Going to Mark Jones was a privilege, title of knowing sin. But I can presume that some of us have a weak conscience wherein you easily falls into self-condemnation. Your guilt always remind you 
the devil is a bit familiar with you, I say it's a bit because he's not all-knowing, follows you and shoots accusation with your deeds that you easily fall into despondency. You perhaps wallow into self-guilt and condemnation. Perhaps some of you here are extrovert that maybe if you happen to be married, your spouse is loudly telling you you're wrong. And yet, it doesn't seem to sink easily, deeply in your heart that you are wrong. Probably because of your one of the contributions is personality makeup, that you are carefree, friendly, extrovert, unlike the introvert. They would say hi if you visit them in their house, but they would be glad if you say bye. Bye. So you can see the dynamics of this. I just mentioned that because we came. And the book of Hebrews is packed with encouragement, but they're abundant warning as well. But it is so centered in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews is, we're not certain who wrote it. The scholars would say it is Barnabas. He is quite knowledgeable and a man of encouragement. And although very few facts mention about him, they also suspected Apollos, which is in 1 Corinthians, he is an eloquent preacher. They also tried to explore Apostle Paul, but in chapter 2, it mentions that Hebrews received his inspired writings not directly from the Lord, as what Apostle Paul would often claim that he received his writing, not from any man or nor angels, but from the Lord. But rather in chapter 2, he said he received his writings from a brother. And therefore, we can conclude that the book of Hebrews is anonymous in its authorship. For sure, we're going to get to know who that is when we get to heaven. But for now, we can be content that it's in the Word of God. They included it in canon of the Scripture because of the clear teaching of who Christ and God is and the message of salvation. Therefore, in chapter 12, is actually, he's about to conclude his writing. From chapter 11, you can see what you call the hall of faith, or the hall of people who went, who persevered through faith. And let's read, therefore, Hebrews chapter 
well if you could join me. And I hope that you don't mind that I am using a, a laptop before you. I have numerous times misread or misquoted the scripture by using a hard copy. I would love to use a hard copy, but unfortunately, I took a large print Bible. But and then, no matter how close, I'm, I still have sometimes a cross eye, so I'm more comfortable. I want to accurately quote the scripture. And let's therefore read uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And it reads, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of I would like to go directly on my first point this morning because we are highlighting the word joy of Christ. Uh, we know that uh, it seems to be um, contradictory to be joyful to go to the cross. But, but one of the ways that he was focused on the cross was because of that joy. Like a woman who, who is about to give birth, they groan and it's painful, but they're looking at their baby on their arms. Like a college uh, guy or gal who is uh, trying to comply with all the requirements of college, all the demands. You have um, barely an hour's sleep, and yet you're looking forward to that diploma and graduation and a job. So, same thing that we can see here in Christ, except it is far more honorable when it says here, who for the joy that was set before him. Now, let me tell you the answer now. The joy of Christ was you. And so let's go to the first point first before we, we know why it is you. And then in, in, in first point, I'd like to um, drive this to us, that the joy of Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. And... Uh, the word founder here, it means that he is the leader. He initiated. He created your faith. He didn't look at how unworthy or how stubborn or as how the song had mentioned, vile and weak and poor and how uh, unworthy we are. And that's the Freedom uh, and joy of God to grant us that faith. And I believe that your church is confident in evangelism and discipleship because you trust in a greater power to awaken somebody regardless of how hardened they are maybe in the gospel, regardless of 
in your perception, it seems impossible for this guy or God to become a Christian. And because your faith is so anchored in this sovereign God who has the freedom to grant faith because he is the author and perfecter of our faith, it relieves us from circus or created technique just to woo people, just to draw them and persuade them because we believe that the Holy Spirit is sovereign. And so, brethren, this word author and perfecter is deeply comforting and humbling and, and encouraging, which is one of the purposes of uh, the book of uh, Hebrews. And this uh, this uh, passage is also consistent in Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 2, verse 10, when he said, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation. Now, take note of the word founder. Perfect. Through a suffering. And uh, we, we do not cease to be amazed of the incarnation that when Christ became human, he has, <coughs> excuse me, in, in the book of Hebrews, he has to learn obedience. Okay, he has to learn through suffering the all knowing God whom who is never surprised at anything, who doesn't have a plan B and plan C, who foresees all things to come to pass. And then I say foresees, not only like he saw it that it will happen, but rather he ordained it, he designed it, he arranged it, the detail of that particular event to come to pass. He has a direct hand, and so, uh, when it says here in, in, in chapter 2 of verse 10 that should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Siyempre, alam na natin yun na Christian tayo, oh, si Lord naman talaga lahat eh. We say that. Okay. But let me just propose to us as well, brethren, that our sanctification is difficult. Our sanctification is no joke. Our battle and struggler, struggles here on earth are weighty. Our particular trials were designed by God, including the weight of our trials. Just as when he permitted Satan to afflict Job, and therefore he uses all things for our sanctification. That if you are like the psalmist, you will probably say as well, Lord, I give up. Many, many times, but Lord, you don't give up on me. Thank you. And therefore, I don't give up because you don't give up on me. So there's a perfection here in, in, in our sanctification. But brethren, the word perfect here includes our Responses, obedience, perseverance, 
wisdom and conduct as a Christian life here? Because sanctification is not produced by our self-determination will. It is gift as well. It is what we find in the book of Hebrews that he purchased, including our transformation. And therefore, when you get up in the morning and say, another burden, or I need to go to my office again, I'm going to see the face of my boss again. I don't like my boss. But I have to smile. And I said, good morning, boss. And he said, good morning. Good morning. He looked at you with a flashy eye. But at the back of your heart, you're so tempted. Good morning. Mamatay na po sana po. Good morning. Okay. So it's a, it, maybe you have a, maybe in your class, maybe in your family, maybe it's a form of a mild persecution among your office mate, among your Friends, our sanctification is purchased and perfected if we're going to read the context of the book of Hebrews. And therefore, uh, he repeatedly says to enter the rest. You see, uh, he, he is even exhorting us to, to persist in entering that rest. It seems to be contradictory contradictory because you are going to persist, but at the same time, that rest that you need to believe in God that was given to you. That rest. And and and, and this rest, brethren, in our sanctification, in our present transformation, in our daily trials and struggle, including our temptation and sin, which we groan because the seed and the Holy Spirit of God is planted within us, is purchased as well by the living God. It is given to us as a gift. And therefore, we get up every morning, not forgetting to preach the gospel to ourselves, that, Lord, it is done. I'd like to walk under your favor and grace. Lord, it might be impossible in my own perspective to walk in the Spirit, but yet you purchase it because you are the founder and perfecter of my faith, and therefore, not my will, but your will be done. And that's why, the book of Hebrews is, at the outset, seems to be a difficult book. When I begin to dive right into it, it is filled with good news. With good news. Just to, just to reinforce this, I'd like to quote before us Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And it reads here. For by a single offering. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. 14. Look at, so listen to this. He has perfected. And it says here, for all time, those who are being sanctified. Sure, we are not yet already sinless. Sure, there are remaining spots and blemishes. 
in our Christian life. Sure. Okay. Uh, we, we are we are still limping. Some of us probably, or maybe some of you are baby Christians. Okay, or maybe have you maybe some of you have been Christian for a decade or for quite some time, but there's still the remaining weakness in your life. If you are like me, just like Mark Jones yesterday, if we're going to flash the content of our hearts here in front, I think we're going to shake we're going to shrink all of us in Shame. Thankfully, that doesn't happen. And so, but look at you. Look at here. Our perfection is good as done because the accomplishment of Christ is perfect. It is a sweet smelling aroma in the presence of the Father. He is. He delighted in your faith. Granted in your faith, knew that you're going to persevere. Why then will you have a half-hearted or you're going to dilly-dally or you're going to be wishy-washy or be double-minded when it comes to following God, when it comes to commitment to God. If He owns us and purchases us, and if He granted us all the faith and the Holy Spirit, and He promised us an eternal dwelling with Him forever, isn't it surprising that sometimes we are enticed by the things of the world? We want the world to still revolve around us and make the world, make us to be the world's center. Isn't it that we are still uh, deceived? Because we try to play with deception. We try to dance along with the trinkets of this world that is being offered to us. We know that it is wrong. We have read it. We have, and we're willing even to sin against knowledge. And when I say sin against knowledge, it means that you know the perseverance of the saints. You know the total depravity. You know the sound doctrine. And yet, your bent and propensity is still to sin against knowledge simply because it entices us to be... That this seems to be... It seems to taste good. Are we going to be blind by our... Nature? Are we going to justify and say that oh, it's only a little thing? God will forgive me anyway. Nobody knows it. I'm not going to tell this. When they come for the small group, I'm going to smile with them and engage in a conversation, and nobody will still know it. We will study there. We will study that in one of our topics in the scripture, and I'm going to. The, come across with one of the passages that seems to address this, my secret sin, but it's fine. Nobody knows it. Oh, God, forgive me while I am reading it. And yet, there's still a propensity in the life to go back into it. Now, God uses that to humble us. God uses that so that we would stop 
measuring our spiritual lives and walk to be better than other Christians. God uses that so that we will cry out and depend on His grace. God uses that to deliver us from a future disaster. But in fact, He may not also spare us from the present consequence of our sins and deeds. So it still doesn't remove in the book of Hebrews that our sins, our uh, status before the eyes of God has become perfect. Now, I am not proposing to us a John Wesley theology where you can achieve perfection here on earth because for the rest of our lives, until we meet the Lord, we will never be perfect. Can you tell the person next to you, are you going to be perfect? Will you be perfect? Far from it. It will only provoke further sin. It will, you will only deceive yourself and deceive other people. However, this is the purpose of God in our lives for our perfection. And in the eyes of God, that salvation that was given to us is already perfect. It is already done. And for that, we enjoy that eternal rest. For a single offering, what a beauty. You know, uh, it's so hard to uh, keep going back every Sunday and uh, believe believe that your salvation depends on sacraments so that it can be perfected, hopefully someday, and you will have a glad welcome in heaven. No, because Christ here for a single offering has perfected for all time all who are being sanctified. And with that, we can say, Hallelujah. Kaya, kaya kung ano, limbawa, Christian ka, lalo na familiar ka dun sa Romans 7, no? Na, ano, na, yung good that I want to do, I cannot do. Uh, the bad that I don't want to do, that's the one that I'm doing. It doesn't change the fact that in Hebrews chapter 10, the single offering of God was perfect. In fact, that could be an evidence that you are growing because you're groaning and that you are, you have a senses of this. Why am I doing this? And I don't, I hate it. God, help me. Kapon sa Mark Jones conference, there's a lot of Q&A and uh, I love asking Q&A. I'd like to take the opportunity of that. And, and he talks about covetousness, which a sin that a lot of people doesn't see it. Well, Mark Jones was equating sin to be what comes into your mind. You see, our thoughts keeps on uh, rumbling and talking most of the time. Try to do that in your quiet time in prayer. You are focused in the scripture and you're praying to God and all of a sudden your thoughts will wander and will go to BGC. Or probably you don't want to go that far. You're inside your bedroom but your thoughts are wandering in kitchen. 
Sometimes it's so difficult to focus, especially in our generation today of a social media. You know that our minds are like a picture or a bedroom that is, you know, a little bit in disarray. And I could identify what he is saying. And he was saying that our thoughts are like spoken words in the eyes of God. And we grew up associating sin to be a deed and action, forgetting that our very desires and thoughts can be a committed sin in the eyes of God. Well, and, and you see, I said, when I was listening to it, I said, oh God, I said, you brought this man like a spiritual surgeon with his sharp scalpel, penetrating, penetrating deep in our hearts so that any potential malignant sin that is in there will be taken out. And so, uh, you see, right after that, I did a lot of humbling to God. Oh, God, have mercy. But one of the questions that surprised me is that, is it, is it, is it sin to covet books? And he's referring for the Christian books because there are a lot of book displays there. And if you're a pastor, you can't live without books. <laughs> and in fact, I remember when I entered into full-time ministry, it's my philosophy that I would rather not eat but have books. But that's probably more effective to me now because it's so hard to trim down and I'm willing to not eat. But the problem is that if they bring food in your table. <laughs> and so... And so it, I, I got books there that I, I accumulated since 90s because I'd like to put on dates on my book and I'd like to write it down who gave it or where I bought it. And I don't remove the price at the back because some of them are classic. They still reprint and reproduce that today. And so I tried to compare the price way back then, 10 years ago, five years ago with the price today. And so I love books. Okay, you should love books. Okay, you should love reading. They, somebody said, I think Warren Grisby who said, uh, a leader is a reader. And you can't be a leader if you're not a reader. And so the guy asked and said, is it sin to covet books? And I look and I said, it's not sin. <laughs> and Mark Jones responded and said, well, it's not sin. And I mean, Apostle Paul would say that imitate me. As I imitate Christ. And that's why sometimes we say, we covet your prayers. Please pray for us. Now, this passage that I came across, that came to my mind when that was asked was Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Seems to be redundant, but actually the central theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. In chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs, it reads, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. And, and then in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. And so at the back of my mind, I said, go for it. If you need to fast, 
If you need to beg, borrow, but do not steal, go get the book. Now, how is this related in the book of Hebrews? In the book of Hebrews, he was telling us that if you keep on exercising discernment, if you keep on weighing and practicing which one is correct and which one is wrong, that practice will later on be sharpened and you are going to grow. If you keep on being passive and neglectful and sleepy and dreamy regarding particular issues in life that you don't engage the Word of God to judge you and employ God's wisdom in particular situation, you will make a mistake. And the book of Hebrews said, you will remain to be a babe. And therefore, brethren, these are processes of our sanctification. These are ways and means let me just quote that to you. I'd rather want to quote this, that particular passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 14, when it says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Lagi tayong nakoconfront na tama ba to? Lagi tayong nakoconfront na, huli kaya yung ginawa ko? Lagi tayong nakoconfront na, parang yung isang question na, tama ba na nasa exclusive relationship ako sa kanya? May samantalang crush ko siya. Para, para bang gusto mo siya counselor na, hello, hello, maghunos daily ka, mag-ingat ka. Ayan, okay, so, uh, I mean, it's nothing wrong to, you know, build friendship, but you make sure that, you know, it's always founded in the truth. It's always founded in discernment, in purity, in godliness, in humility, in intention, in motive. And we always rely on the Holy Spirit in that. And brethren, with all these demands and challenges of our Christian life, we have the assurance in the book of Hebrews that he is the author and founder of our faith, and we will not be lacking in God's provision to sustain us. While we are here, it is done and purchased. You, you will not be lacking daily provision for all your spiritual needs. You have spiritual treasure inexhaustible to be supplied for you. Uh, maybe some of you are worrying for the rest of the year. Maybe are, some of you are concerned with your health. Maybe some of you are concerned with your finances or job. Well, you can only stand against the storms that come our way if we are anchored deeply and rooted deeply in the spiritual riches and one of which is the centrality of what Christ has accomplished in our lives. Therefore, This is the beauty. This is the beauty of, uh, of the book of Hebrews. Another passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. It reads, For 
Whoever has entered God's rest. Yeah. Ako gusto-gusto ko po talaga ng rest. Sino po sa inyo gusto-gusto ng rest? Ako! Ayan. Bada pa tayo? Ako! Kung pwede ka, itaso pa, pati yung paa mo. Ako! Ayan. So, teka muna, may, mayroong mas mahalagang rest. Okay. Mayroong mas mahalagang rest. Ito yung sinasabi ko. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. He's referring on the Sabbath. Okay? You see, the grind of working for your salvation, the grind of being relieved from fears and guilt, the grind of, you know, am I fully forgiven? The grind of having the peace that God will never going to judge you and condemn you. Okay, that's that's actually laborious and taxing and exhausting. That's how he said. Now look at verse 11. Okay, I've mentioned this to you, but I'd like to quote it to us. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Ano? Rest nga yan eh. Bakit mo naman ako pinapa-strive? Pinapa-strive mo pa ako, i-rest yan. Yes. That is what you call the perseverance. You reapply the sufficient cross. We apply the sufficient grace. Hey, Lord, my status before you is acquitted. You credited me with your pure righteousness. You chose me before the foundation of the world. I don't want to lose that divine favor from my sight because it's easy to veer away from this precious sight. You're saying that. Therefore, one of the evidences that you have entered into that rest is that you strive. You stay and remain. You endure. You humble and continue to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your being. And therefore, when it says here, the author and perfecter, who for the joy set before him, the Lord was never miserly of giving this daily provision in your life for your spiritual good. The Lord is not like not delighting or like the gods of the Old Testament that you need to uh, appease and uh, even burn babies, put them on fire so that this God, the gods will become. No. Aside from, he has that emotional delight and joy in you and not because of you, not because of your flaws, but for His glory and you you are in His heart before the foundation of the world. Some of you might probably think, did the Lord choose me? Well, you know that the Lord chose you if you repent. If you put your trust and faith in God. Huwag mong iisipin na kung pinili ka. Ang isipin mo, nagre-repent ka ba? 
nagpapakumbaba ka ba, nananampalataya ka ba sa Panginoon? Yun ang mahalaga. Kasi kung nandun ka sa Christian life na yun, may ebidensya, meron, meron, nagkakaroon tayo ng peace, nagkakaroon tayo ng security. At kung halimbawa, nakikita mo naman yung puso mo na parang hindi gusto mag-repent, aba, sabi mo, Lord, bigyan mo ako ng repentance. Alam mo naman yung puso ko, parang ayaw mag-repent. Lord, bigyan mo ako. Lord, wag mo akong patahimikin. Hanggang, until I humble myself and trust you with all of us. Brethren, we can be assured that the Lord will grant us so. Now, I have referred to us and uh, I'd like to briefly mention to us the, the covenant of redemption. The covenant of redemption simply means that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit authored salvation even before He created the world. Well, covenant, I believe that Pastor uh, Anting had spoken to you, had taught you about this, I have no doubt, that um, it's, it's like a form of agreement and contract. Just like vows of marriage, that for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I will be with you till death do us part. And therefore, you fulfill that covenant, that vow. And just like the business contracts, it's like the other uh, term, modern term for covenant is contract. You fulfill the contract. If you're not going to comply with this, this will be the implication and this will be the infringement of the laws, uh, you, you will be in trouble if you're not going to put it. Except the difference of the covenant that God made to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is that it will never fail and be broken. And God doesn't have to make a covenant with us. And yet, God had that covenant of salvation before the foundation of the world. And as I have mentioned, there is no plan a, plan B, only plans A. And it didn't change this plan simply because Adam and Eve bungled there in the paradise. He still fulfilled it. Now, did God do that because He needed us? As we know that the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 is that uh, with the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world and the word Glory there is very substantial and packed. It means the fullness of joy. Pag-uunawain po natin yun, parang maintindihan natin na hindi naman tayo nilikha at niligtas ng Panginoon dahil nangangailangan siya sa atin. Kasi masaya siya at perfecto yung kasiyahan niya at pagmamahal niya. The eternally existent triune God that perfection. So, pagka nauunawaan mo yung doctrine na yun at yung attribute ng Panginoon na yun, pagka nagsisink in sa ating mga puso, nagkikreate siya ng holy fear at ng faith at assurance and delight because you're relating to God who is overflowing with generosity in your Christian life to sustain you and make you joyful in your existence here on earth. I pray that I have uh, drove this point of my first point. I'd like to go now to the second point of this. Uh, 
And I have mentioned to us that our first point here, brethren, is that it was the joy of Jesus to be the founder and perfecter of our faith. If we keep, if we, if we, if we keep on expounding this, okay, probably the whole day would not be enough. Okay, napaka ano po nito. Kaya, yun po yung beauty po ng Bible, inexhaustible siya. You knew already those uh, Psalm 23, John 3.16, and yet, regardless of you've been a Christian for many years, when you go back to it, we can't exhaust. The scripture is inexhaustible. But sufficient to us to say that our first point is that the joy of Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. The second point, brethren, is that we see here the joy of Jesus as the Savior of all who repent and place their faith in Him. Of all who repent and place their faith in Him. Who for the joy, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And part of that joy is to grant us that repentance. How do we know? I'd like to propose before us that Jesus did not die for the whole world. I'm sure Because if you're going to say that, if some of the people or many people will not believe and yet we say Christ died for you, then we devalue the death of Christ because they are not going to be saved and they're going to hell. Sasabina then, isn't it that the death of Christ was pleasing to the Father and it wasn't up? Isn't it that the meaning of it is finished? Tetelestai means paid in full? Isn't it that we are perfected for all times for a single offering? Then you will devalue the death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, this is the difference of Armenian and Calvinist. The Armenian would say that the, the cross of Jesus is wide in its scope. Ang scope niya, ang gagap niya. Wide, but it is short in its effect. Okay, short in its effect. Well, the Calvinist or the Reformed theologian would say that, well, Christ's cross may be narrow on scope because it is the elected that Christ had died for and paid for their sin and redeemed them, but the effect is unlimited. Kasi yung isa, Bakit, bakit limited yung effect niya? Kasi, sinasabi, eh, kasi hindi ka naniwala eh. Ah, mas makapangyarihan pala yung belief mo at saka paniniwala mo kaysa yung nagawa ni Kristo, kaysa yung nabayaran niya, kaysa yung plano niya, kaysa yung mission niya, kaysa yung kapangyarihan niya, kaysa yung pagpili niya at paglikha sa'yo. In other words, cross redemption stops short because supposed to be your will your free will and decision to reject and un and not believe that is greater in its power than the accomplishment of redemption of Jesus Christ. You are saying that. On the other hand, the reform would say, oh, the scope might maybe narrow, but the effect is 
unlimited. Unlimited in its effect. We will be freed from our bondage and darkness. So it's like it's like a bridge. May naalala kong bridge sa Bohol, yung Dawis Bridge. It's it's kind of it's kind of wide and it's pretty wide. So I'm just imagining of I can't think of a bridge here. I'm not sure if Pasig River Bridge is I, I could think of that because I don't live here anymore. I live here in Bohol and I love Bohol and Pastor Enting also love Bohol. <laughs> but don't worry, he will not leave you. <laughs> okay, because because he's called you. So it's like a bridge that, you know, the those who believe that the, the cross will be limited by the will of man is like a bridge that is so wide, but it doesn't reach the end for the person to ultimately cross the other end or the other bank of the river. Well, for the message of Hebrews, the bridge may be narrow, the bridge may be for the chosen people, the bridge may be for those who be truly paid. In John chapter 10, my sheep hears my voice and I lay down my life for them. It's specifically sheep and not all people are sheep. It may be narrow in its scope, but when it comes to effectivity, it reaches all the way to the other bridge. It is very sure that you're going to reach that is the, book, the message of the book of Hebrews. So therefore, how do we know that? Look at verse 8 of chapter 12. Look at this. If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, okay, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. He's referring for sons. And uh, if you're, uh, you see... If you're being disciplined, and God may send many ways to discipline us. It's not supposed to be a negative thought, okay, because it's one of the evidences of His love and care. He said, you are not illegitimate. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the encouragement of assurance that we are indeed children of God is that we have discipline in our lives. Now look at this in uh, verse 12. Therefore, lifting, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Pag sinabing lift your drooping hands, repentance po yun, tsaka faith. Parang sinasabi niya na gumising ka, anak kita, hindi kita pababayaan, huwag kang magpakalayo, huwag kang maging tamad, huwag kang mag-compromise sa katalanan at saka sa mundo, huwag kang maging makasarili. That is what he simply saying. He was saying that, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And it's like, Lord, I have already weak knees, and you still want me to strengthen my weak knees? Now verse 13, And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Parang sinasabi niya, Lame na nga ako, Lord. Gusto mo pa paglak- paglakawin mo pa ako? Ay, iste. Ano? <laughs> Paglakarin mo pa ako sa ano, straight paths, lame na nga ako eh. Sabi ni Lord, maglakad ka. Mas lalakas ka. Gusto ko malusog ka. Gusto ko malakas ka. Huwag kang manghina. Huwag kang... Uh, in the book of Hebrews, he was saying, don't be sluggish. That's the word of the book of Hebrews. 
Don't be sluggish in your Christian life. Be alert. Be alive. And as the song says, enthusiastic. Be alert, alive, awake, enthusiastic. So sabi niya, okay. So sabi niya, strive for peace. Now this time, look at this, look at this words. If you're going to connect it into imagination, they're packed with activity. You could say that Christianity is never supposed to be passive and lazy. But rather, we should be up on our feet because there is our Father who doesn't want us to be lackadaisical, to have our own leisure in this battle, spiritual battle-engaged world. When it said in verse 14, strive for peace with everyone. Now look at this strive again. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It doesn't mean that this fully paid sacrifice of Christ is not sufficient and accepted by the Father. It said, you're saved. But then, one of the evidences that we are, that we have eternal life, is that there's a striving. There's a pursuit of holiness. There's a really definition of God's law that doesn't stop right only on our deeds and actions, but rather on our desires and thinking and attitude and character and responses. I was saying that strive. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See to it na maggather ka sa small group. See to it na wag ka lang Sunday goer. See to it that you join prayer. See to it that you don't neglect the means of grace, the fellowship, the giving, the humility, the confession, the prayer, the faith and hope and exercise and resistance of sin and walking in righteousness and and holiness before God. See to it. There's a clear commandment there of see to it. And then he was also said that no one, he said that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And yet, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he was saying, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I don't want to lose this commandment that I fail to obtain the grace of God because I neglected to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. He said that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. He also said, you're so ridiculous. In verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold this birthright for a single meal. In, in our generation, you would really have to look for pornographic magazines. And then I remember our neighbor invited us, and I was very young then. And then he borrowed that Betamax. It was a Betamax back then. Probably some of you just not know even that what that is, or VHS. Maybe that's all familiar. But today it's only single click. But look at the warning of the book of Hebrews. It said, For no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. There's not much evidence that Esau was sexually immoral, except that in the book of Genesis, there's a reference there that he married two women and gave bitterness to their parents. But it says here that no one is sexually immoral, unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know, I don't know, I can't remember if I'm in my pre- first preaching years that I told you about my testimony. 
uh, before I became a Christian, when I was 18 years old, I lived a gay life. Of course, that's not obvious now because God created me now to be handsome, at least to the eyes of my wife. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Rustum Padilla is my best friend. Bibi Gandang Hari. I could see his videos. And when he went to Bohol, because they, uh, they, um, inaugurated one of the resorts there, I met him up. And to be surprised, I am now a pastor, and I said, can I meet you up in Manila? I truly want to share you the gospel for which he forever deleted my number and he would not respond to my calls. But I still pray for him. Oh, Lord. And when I look at him, and I go to the places where I live my dark past life, particularly in uh, uh, Claro Embrecto in San Sebastian, uh, it, because I I had my elementary and half of my high school there, and uh, we were actually three best friends: um, Rustum Padilla, me, and uh, the other one is um, I don't want to mention him. I could probably uh, freely mention Rustum because he is a celebrity, and uh, and 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 so when I was in high school, I have already my mind planned on how to further my sin, how to act it out in pleasure. How am I going to live together and look for a job so that I can sustain and support my life of sin? Now it's all by God's grace that I could stand up before you and love my family and become faithful and become accountable and to strive for this for, without which, apart from Jesus Christ, it is impossible. Now, you see, brethren, now, I mentioned kasi there's so many questions about LGBT yesterday, and I don't uh, give testimony often. I don't want to be like, as if naman na, pagka lumaki ka sa church, ay para bang kailangan ba grandiose at napaka-dark ba ng buhay mo para ikaw ay maging Christian at acceptable at mabango. Hindi naman nangangailangan. Pwede naman na lumaki ka sa simbahan, totally depraved ka pa rin. You're still object of God's wrath. Kahit na ang bite-bite mong lumaki ng simbahan, kahit langan mo pa rin maborn again. That's still the same. So, brethren, how do we, how do we keep on in this pilgrim life, walk here on earth, and retain the commandment to be pure? It is the repentance and faith. In Jesus. And he delights in that. Lord Jesus delights. He purchased that. He granted that. And he doesn't want us to live our Christian lives in vain. He doesn't want us to miss that ultimate inheritance. I'd like to call to us. I'd rather call to us than merely tell it because I'd rather want to read it. In Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 12, we saw about inheritance, right? Okay? When he said about the inheritance, okay, that when Esau desired to inherit the blessings, he was rejected. We know that he wasn't truly repenting. He wanted the blessing. But then in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says, So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith, and patience inherit the promises. 
there is a faith and patience that we need to employ to inherit the promises one of the evidences that we are I'm sure that there are others who have better testimony. I've heard a testimony of transgender. Uh, he had injections over his body so that he will, so that his uh, skin hair will not grow. And I was, believe it or not, I was contemplating on that too. And that's how depraved my my thinking before. That's how dark my thinking before also for the past. Okay, and yet the Lord, by all grace, had saved me. And I am not saying that, uh, you know, you need to a testimony like that. I am simply highlighting how the Lord resurrects a spiritually dead person. And when He called that person, you become alive and respond to God and become a follower and put us in Hebrews chapter 12 to run the race that is set before us because that race had been purchased by Jesus. And He has purchased as well our strength and, and grace and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for us to finish. Until he comes. Lastly, my third point, lastly, in the joy of Jesus. The joy of Jesus for now, uh, now and for us. And I like I like to focus on the word and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. May not be directly quoted in the book of Hebrews, but in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, which is written by Apostle Paul, he said, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and believe in the truth. Sanctification is also gift. Sanctification is also given by God. Sanctification is also by faith. Hindi yung salvation, dadagdagan ko ng hard work. Kasi tapos na po. He sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Binigay niya na. Granted na sa atin. Kaya, sanctification, we need to remember. Pwede kang maging pure, maggrow, persevere, resist sin and the devil, magbigay, magsubmit, maghumble, magserve, magovercome ng shyness or self-centeredness, magfocus ka sa iba, maovercome ang pride, overcome ang self-pity, and the journey could be very long but it is done by the Lord. He sat down at the right hand. What is he doing now? He is praying for I pray that, you know, this message is supposed to huddle God's people and identify that your sin might be different from mine, your struggles might be different from mine, but we are called by God in this particular race and He purchased our sanctification. We could help one another. We don't have to be shallow in our relationship wherein we just greet one another every Sunday, but rather be intentionally know each other and fellowship and grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus. We can come alongside with each other and understand and carry one another's burden and practice the so many one another's in the scripture. 
And so that merong spiritual growth. Kasi pag nawala yun, papaluin tayo ni Lord, eh, si Lord, masakit po pagka magpalo. Hindi ko kayo, hindi tayo dapat mamotivate lang ng takot. Although ginagamit ni Lord yung takot. Di ba kasi yung takot, parang, parang ganito yan. Hinuli ka ng komunista, halimbawa, at sabi ng komunista, kung hindi mo ako mamahalin, papatayin kita. Siyempre, yung kanyang sinabihan nun, mamahalin siya. Pero minamahal siya, pero sa puso niya, kailan ka kaya mamamatay? Yan, di ba? Pagluluto kita, pagsisilbihan kita, mamahalin kita externally, but at the back of, his, of her heart, is that I really want to be. And same thing with fear. If you are following God out of fear because you want to get something from Him or out of guilt, then we're not truly loving God. But the only way that we can truly love God is to the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Brethren, it is done when He sat down at the right hand of the Father of God. We don't have a gloomy, morose, angry God or moody God up there who doesn't delight with His people who doesn't see that you will overcome because you have fully paid and purchased our salvation. I pray, brethren, that each one of you here uh, with Pastor Anthony, a very good friend, will respond to God's call to celebrate and magnify and exalt the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ for the very, very, very reason that we have gathered uh, each one of you. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, verse 14. I have quoted this. For by, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. And write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of this, there is no longer any offering for sin. Now this is the covenant that the Lord made with us. When, the, when, the, when Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, I would like them to see my glory, the glory that you have given me. Eh kung si Moses na, ano, hindi niya makaya yung glory ni Lord. Pero ang prayer ni Jesus, makita natin yung glory niya. Ano kaya double, triple joy na meron niya? Can you imagine better? And this is what we find here. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. As I end, brethren, okay, we know that Jose Rizal is our national hero. He died in 1896 because of his political writings. He was uh, uh, executed by the Spanish colonizers because of his writings spread an encouragement for Philippine independence. Well, right after that, Andres Bonifacio in 1896 in the wake of execution of his hero, Jose Rizal was arrested. And then he was charged with treason and sedition. And executed in 1897 because he was the father 
of anti-colonial revolution with the, with the Spanish. Of course, Lapu-Lapu killed Magellan and his cohorts because Magellan brought the Spanish flag and wanted to accomplish something here in the Philippines. And therefore, our first hero is Lapu-Lapu. Well, these people died for a cause. What about, brethren, Jesus died for you? Because you are Christ's joy. What about Jesus died not for a cause, but for a person? But for somebody that he has an affection and desire to save. In conclusion, brethren, there's the joy of Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. The joy of Jesus as the Savior of all who repent and place their faith in Him. The joy of Jesus now and for us and therefore this year. Be assured, be secured, live in God's favor. Our joy has responsibilities, but they do not contradict. They are in harmony. We maintain to be saved by grace through faith, but that faith is not alone. Let me exhort us as well to Cultivate this assurance. You are not a nameless, faceless, numberless among the crowd. You, figuratively speaking, were like singled out. It is a pure joy to be saved. It is only right to respond, to walk in a manner worthy of our Lord. Let me exhort that also that He founded it, He perfected it, and now perfecting that faith in you, he never commands anything that He doesn't first give. He doesn't ask you to run, but not provide with feet. He doesn't ask you to fly, but does not provide you with wings, with any difficult things that He asks you, that He places you with, and asks you to obey. He has all the provision that He grants you so that you can do. And so pursue what He paid for. Live that evidences. Now, to the newcomers, probably you need to understand God doesn't owe you salvation. He doesn't owe you anything. And yet, this is amazing. If you ask Him to save you, He will. If you ask Him to grant you that faith and repentance and that you exercise that now, He will. And you will be one of the elect. You are, you are one of, evident, evidently you are one of the elect because you repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ. So, brethren, in my last few words to all of us, let's not offer a sentimental gospel or a weak gospel or pale gospel or diluted gospel. The book of Hebrews is abundant of that. Who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, in sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we want to pursue your confident joy in us. We want to know you. We want to humble ourselves to you and ask for your forgiveness if we have become sluggish, neglectful, if we have become lazy, if we have become centered in ourselves, if we have become impatient, if we have sinned. Oh Lord, we pray, grant us repentance daily. Help us to persevere and pursue you. Open our eyes and not to be deceived or enticed by the world or the sins in our heart. We pray, open our eyes that you be our riches, our treasure, 
our valued possession because you called us and owned us and that you fully paid with your sacrifice our sins. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for your affection toward us. We thank you that you love us and that love is unchanging. And we thank you that there's much hope and a solid a future for us to worship you and trust you with all of our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.